You're tired, you're hot, it's been a long day. Shake, shake it out a little bit, shake it out. All right, yeah, here we are. So uh, I'm gonna talk about economics of package management, more specifically in open source. It's, I'm gonna tell you a story. I'm gonna tell you a story about who owns the JavaScript language commons, how we got into this situation where the JavaScript language commons is owned by someone, and why we need to change it. This is a story about money and ownership and control as much as it is about JavaScript. I am going to tell you this story, and I'm gonna tell you the version of the story I know how to tell. I am one human being with imperfect knowledge and a point of view. So this story is not the only story anyone could tell about it, not by a long way. But I can tell you a good version of one slice of this story because I was part of it. I was at its heart because until last year I was CTO of NPM Inc., the company that runs the JavaScript package registry. This gives me an expertise on the topic few people in the world have. It also comes with a point of view, and I'm gonna invite you to keep my point of view in mind as you hear this story. You are in this story, yes, you. I bet you you didn't know that you're part of this story. By the time I'm done, you'll know why you're part of it and why your participation matters. It's a story about money, people who have money, and how the people who make money from open source software are mostly not the people who... It's a story of an accidental decision that you made without knowing about it, one that I made consciously, and how that decision worked out today. It's a story about ownership, control, and their consequences. It's also a story about power. Who has it, how much of it you have, and what you can do with it. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. Here we go. Do you remember Yahoo? <laughs> Our story kind of starts with Yahoo. Back in its glory days in the mid-2000s, JavaScript was the heart of a lot of JavaScript activity back then. It employed a lot of thought leaders like Douglas Crockford, and it was pushing the state of the art forward. Might not have had a good business plan, but it had a good tech stack. And one thing that Yahoo had in its tech stack was a package manager. It was called YPM, and it apparently did some pretty neat things. People who used it liked it. At about the same time that all this was happening and, you know, action in Yahoo, JavaScript was itself kind of taking off in an interesting way, thanks to things like jQuery and browser makers deciding to actually adhere to a common spec for once. This was pretty great. JavaScript exploded. Server-side JavaScript was just starting to be a big topic. And it was here in 2009, 10 years ago, where Ryan Dahl announced Node.js. And that turned out to be the JavaScript platform we wanted on the server. Now, the early Node community was pretty, it was a happening place. It was a scene. It's, it swept up a whole bunch of interesting people from systems programming and web programming. And it, people who really enjoyed being in a bleeding edge ecosystem where a whole lot of stuff hadn't been invented yet. And 
several of the people involved in early on figured out earlier on that you know, package management would be a pretty great thing. And there was a bunch of package managers, plural, being written. Yeah, more than one. One of these people was a Yahoo employee. He was super into Node. He quit his job so that he can write something inspired by the Yahoo package manager, but for Node.js. And this particular programmer was clever in a couple of really useful ways. For one thing, he got really super involved with Node, and this let him work on both the Node side implementation and his package manager at the same time. He could make an installer work right, and he really championed the CommonJS implementation that Node has. And he did you know, some other stuff to beat other package managers, like going around to all the packages and giving them pull requests to support his instead of the other one. Pretty smart. This was, his was good enough and useful enough. It was the right solution. It was supported well enough that it won. So the node packager manager, or NPM, started being put right along with Node instead of living as a separate third-party thing that you downloaded right after you downloaded Node. That official status granted by the Node project continues to today. And right about this time, Joint bought Node from Ryan Dahl for a pretty paltry amount of money, really. You'll notice that we're already in interesting economic territory. The man who invented Node.js, the tool used by everyone in this room and millions of people daily to develop JavaScript, made a few tens of thousands of dollars from it. Whoever's making money from Node today, it's not his its inventor. He did at least make a living after selling it because Joint hired him. That was pretty good. And the join also hired the programmer who made Node's package manager. But important plot point, he retained ownership of it. He retained ownership of the npmjs.org domain name, the npm source code, and any inventions in it as his own intellectual property. He didn't turn it all over to Joyent the way the Node source had been turned over to Joyent. This decision matters later, so notice it. The open source doesn't mean open ownership or control. It means you get to read the source for something. And the ability to read part of the source from something doesn't mean you can change that source. It doesn't get you any control over it, what it does, or what it manages. So our story moves forward kind of a predictable way. You've probably heard this part before. 2012, Dahl leaves the Node project, and NPM's owner steps up to lead it in instead. And right about here is where all of you start appearing on the scene, or some of you anyway. You're JavaScript programmers. You like writing JavaScript. If you can write a tool in JavaScript, you will. So you started writing JavaScript with Node, and you liked it. Meanwhile, people like me, who are kind of mixed about JavaScript, don't tell anyone, I figured out that Node was pretty handy for writing I.O. multiplexing services. And I was like, ooh, this is fun. As 2013 went on, more and more people got on the Node train, and Node got pretty popular. This meant NPM got pretty popular. And that's great, right? Well, no. 
Success is a catastrophe for a lot of projects. It's a catastrophe you need to survive. And success for NPM was a catastrophe. Here's why. NPM's package registry is centralized. It's not just a CLI tool that grabs the code and puts it onto your hard drive into known modules. In fact, the CLI is probably the least important part of the NPM machinery, despite how frequently you interact with it. NPM is most importantly to all of you a centralized package registry and repository. Now, right from the beginning, the registry was there running inside a CouchDB database on the same domain it's on today. Yeah, CouchDB. And a registry is just a list of all the packages you can install, their authors, their names, their versions. The repository part is the part that stores all those packages in a centralized spot. And this is pretty great because it makes installing them fast and reliable. Someone can work on making that central repository zippy. There's a lot to unpack there. I think it's worth a moment of our time, so let's do it. Centralization is what we're talking about here. And centralization has some advantages. The NPM registry is centralized. It comes with usability wins. You only need to go to one place to look for something. That one place can enforce some rules about the things you're looking for, that they all look the same, that they provide the same kinds of information. Maybe they don't even vanish on a whim when their owner gets bored. And centralization has advantages that matter to you. I've been doing a lot of Go programming lately, and it, man, it's weird. It's, it's very strange to try to find Go packages because they're everywhere, and the only way to find them is to Google for them. And you look at these old-fashioned lists of really exciting Go packages, you know, the, the thing that Yahoo used to do, this like handmade list of things. And when I install these packages, I install them from GitHub repos that can just vanish. So I have expectations that come from having used NPM for eight years. And Go doesn't meet any of those expectations. The absence of a central registry for Go has helped me really understand what NPM provides every JavaScript programmer. And in fact, centralization has been such an advantage that it's a trend. Blogs, blogs were something you used to host on your own. You used to buy your own domain name and spin up a server and host a blog. It, it, through the last 10 years, there's been this big trend toward centralized hosting platforms, you know, things that can provide a reliable place for you to put your blog, like MySpace or Posterous or LiveJournal. Yeah. Okay, Tumblr and Medium. Super. Social media centralized, Twitter and Facebook, and open source is even centralized. Not so, okay, NPM is a centralized registry for all the node packages there are, and this is great, except in 2013, it wasn't great. Why? Downside of centralization is that costs are centralized. Downside of NPM's registry is that all that use centered on a single database with an app embedded inside it. Here's a fact of the world. Servers cost money. Who pays for them? For years, no package manager ran on donated hosting. It was written with help from some of the people involved in implementing CouchDB, so CouchDB was its database, and it freeloaded on a bunch of CouchDB hosting services. It was for a long time treated as an ad for CouchDB hosting 
for by this company called Iris Couch you've never heard from, heard of. Iris Couch is bought by Nojitsu. They continued to host Node's package manager until as it was a cheap ad, right? And then it wasn't so cheap. Success, the catastrophe, is expensive. You all started using Node, and that ad stopped being cheap. And the other various lazy shortcuts taken in implementing the registry started having an effect once the registry saw some real use. So the registry was down more than it was up in October 2013. NPM needed money. It needed a maintainer who didn't ignore it for his day job. This is not a particularly new problem. Every language ecosystem at some point, if they have a centralized package registry, also has this problem. Uh, Ruby gems cost money to run, too. They run on donations. CPAN, Perl's package network, they solved their problem 20 years ago with a network of mirrors. A lot of smaller language ecosystems sum along by freeloading on GitHub um, public repos, like CocoaPods and some others. What NPM's owner decided to do was pretty novel. He decided to found a company. This is possible because he'd retained ownership of it. Even while he was running the Node project, he still owned NPM. He quits Joint. He founds company, NPM Inc. And he takes seed funding from a VC firm. And here's our decision point. Node project decided this was fine. They continue to give NPM special privileges, something they bundle along. I, I don't know if there was internal controversy about this, because I wasn't part of, part of it. And Node project was entering kind of its moribund period around this time. So maybe the decision was made through inaction. I don't know. But they continue to affirmatively decide that that's what they want to do every year since then. You decided this was fine. You voted with your feet and kept using the NPM registry. But Siege, I hear you say, I wasn't around then. Well, you, most of you probably weren't around then. You've inherited this decision. You probably didn't know it was a decision. NPM is just out there as an unquestioned fact of JavaScript life. You might not have even known it was a company at all, right? At the time, it was pretty controversial. The company that had been hosting NPM was really kind of pissed off about it. They had their, been up to their own fix with a scale NPM funding campaign, which ended up raising a bunch of money for it. At the same time, the VC money came in, and there, was, there, was, there were lawyers involved. I don't know much about this. I just know that NPM exited Nojitsu uh, hosting very quickly and messily because the two companies were fighting. Later on, NPM exited Joyant's hosting very quickly and messily because they were also fighting. I don't know. Money. Money changes everything. Friendships made when it's all just open source fun end under the strain of competing for dollars. Here's another thing. I decided this was fine. I decided to let JavaScript's language commons be owned by venture capitalists. I didn't frame it that way to myself, though. The decision I told myself I was making was the, the decision to contribute what I could to making Node successful. 
was a huge Node fan. Really liked programming in Node. I still do. And NPM was the first place I'd ever participated in open source. So <sighs> NPM, Inc. In 2014, is a company. It has VC money. It starts hiring people. The first person they hired was Raquel Velez, who you've heard speak at this very conference. Second hire was me. I was thrilled, to tell you the truth. I wanted to make it go better. And I believe the story told by NPM's IP owner that we would make NPM Inc. self-sustaining, and the servers would hum along happily, dispensing packages for the masses forever and ever. So, you know, I ended up leading NPM's engineering team. You know this part of the story. Large numbers are very large. You install lots of packages. NPM was successful. It scaled, and Node exploded as a result. You started using Node to do everything, and NPM is now an unquestioned part of your workflow. You reinvented web development in ways you couldn't do before NPM was there, reliable providing shared code like it's some kind of utility. It's a highlight of an excellent career, and I, I'm still pretty proud of it. Let's pause here. We're at the absolute zenith of Node's package manager. Let's talk about money. I love money. Why isn't Ryan Dahl living on a tropical island? Why isn't James Halliday retired on the tropical island that he lives on now? Why isn't, why isn't Dominic Tarr living in a yacht instead of a sailboat? Does he still live in a sailboat? Yeah. Why does Doug Wilson have a day job? Do you know those names? They're the authors of software you have on your laptops right now. Software that is the beating heart of a thousand programs that business runs every day. Every Fortune 500 company there is runs the software written by those people. And dozens of other people who I don't have time to list who contributed packages to NPM in the early days and do so even now. Those people are not wealthy, despite the enormous value created by the software they make. Capitalism, yeah, it's unfortunately, as you probably already know, capitalism, it's supposed to reward people like them, but in practice it doesn't. Here's the thing, most of us give away our source, we share it without expecting or ever dreaming that we'd make money from it. I think most of the people I just named contributed to JavaScript's commons without, ex without wanting their tropical islets. They might wish they had them, but they didn't expect them. Money was not on their minds. It was back in the early days of Node when they knew we all, all Node's contributors knew each other. They were just exchanging gifts with their peers, fellow Node programmers. All right, now here, I want to talk about the difference between the open source and free software. You're probably aware of this difference. It's the free software, Richard Stallman style, and open source, Eric Raymond style. The Stallman GNU license like, aims to make you try have to give away the things you make with the source code you've shared. And over here in Eric Raymond land, you know, it goes a little differently. We can argue about whether like, Stallman's GNU license achieves its goal or not, and I think people do argue at length, and I'm not going to join that argument right now. But 
I will point out that Eric Raymond style free software with MIT license and the BSD license and permissive license is almost certainly the kind of open source you practice, particularly in the JavaScript and Node communities. You treat the GPL like poison. You've chosen open source, not free software. Capitalism freaking loves open source, let me tell you. Companies get a lot of good stuff for free, and they have no, no requirements on them for using it. It's, it takes it even further, I think, by telling you that you have to do this to get hired. GitHub is your resume, they tell you, and they stretch out their hand to take the free software from you to build things with. Dominic Tarr gives away Pullstream, and every Fortune 500 company there is uses it, and it doesn't get compensated. This is our reality. I don't think I can fix that. You notice that there was a person in the story who didn't give his stuff away? That's pretty smart, right? He, the one who didn't give away his intellectual property is the one who's going to make a pile of money from this. He planned ahead in ways that those other people didn't. Of course, he's not actually going to make most money anybody makes from NPM, because the people who are actually going to make money from NPM are the venture capitalists who invested in it. People who truly do well in this story are the people who had money to begin with. People who had nothing to do with JavaScript effectively own our language commons. What is our language commons? Shall I define that? Let's do it. Commons in English means the resources available to everybody. It's like natural resources, like the air we breathe or a field that we all share to graze our sheep. Shared. For us in the JavaScript community, the language spec is our commons. That's owned by an organization that's set up to allow JavaScript's users to all cooperate as, and design and build it. TC39 has done pretty well by JavaScript. All of our shared code is part of our JavaScript commons. The registry that lit, lists all this shared code is part of our commons. Our conventions we use to share code in it is part of our commons. But all of that is owned by a VC-funded private company. This is the thing we, as a group, have given away. So Ryan Dahl was here last year, right? Remember that? He was here, he announced Dino. And he had something interesting to say. It's unfortunate that there is a centralized, privately controlled even, repository for modules. When I saw that, I, I wanted to argue with him about centralization, but I had to agree with his comment about private control. What are the consequences of private control? Why, is, why do I think that's a problem? Well, none of us have any input into registry policies. What gets a package removed from the registry? What's acceptable to be on the registry? How are disputes among people about package names resolved? What happens when uh, two, two people fight about a package name and they can't make up their minds about it? You remember LeftPad? I bet you remember LeftPad. The unpublication policy didn't exist before LeftPad happened because it didn't occur to NPM, the private institution, to think about the use case. They don't act proactively to solve problems until they exist, until they are like right in their faces. This is like normal. You know, you don't have to want to deal with something until you have to. You have no input into registry features. You might have a wish list, but you don't get it. 
There's no way for you to contribute. There's no way for you to say you demand something. You want package signing? Good luck. You're not likely to see it. Maybe if a major security incident happens or a major public outcry happens, you'll get it. But it would have to be an existential threat. And note here that I'm talking about the registry, not the clients. The registry is closed source, and the policies that regulate it are not open to our influence. The NPM CLI is open source, but it's unimportant. The API is open for now, and the key building blocks you would need to write open your own CLI are all open source and not under NPM's control. But a third of you use another client to interact with NPM anyway. So the management of our commons is opaque to us. It will opaque, be, remain opaque to you until the company that owns it has a financial incentive to change it. You don't know what's happening with your package data. You have to trust it. There's no trust without accountability, and we have no, we as the JavaScript community have no way to hold NPM Inc. accountable. Now, when I was there, I could tell myself that I trusted myself and my team, and I knew our intentions were good, our motivations were good, and I, you know, yeah, we have to have 2FA, I'm going to make it happen. This is not a good answer. I was wrong to have relied on that answer, because you had no way to hold me accountable and test that I was trustworthy. Oops. So am I saying NPM is evil? Mm, moo. Ask a different question. NPM is a private entity in control of our commons. It's not good. It's not evil. The question of its benevolence is the wrong question to ask. NPM is not a benevolent institution. It can't be one. The possibility of its being one ended the day its owner took VC funding instead of putting it into a foundation. That decision turned it into a financial instrument. I mean something very specific when I say that. Financial instruments are contracts about money. They're widgets that can be traded. NPM Inc., the company, the thing that owns our language ecosystem, is a thing that might as well be a collection of pork bellies as far as its owners are concerned. They make contracts with each other and trade bits of it around. It's a means for turning money into more money. It's important to keep this in mind as you evaluate all of your interactions with it and that your interactions with the people who represented it. This, this means is look at incentives. Money is the incentive for a lot of actors in this story. Companies do not love you. Not even companies that make something you like. That phrase is a marketing message designed to get you to mistake the financial interest instrument for something that might be your friend. That marketing message is pretty powerful, right? You got a cuddly wombat mascot and some great stickers at a red emoji heart and you're like, you're on board, right? NPM does not love you. NPM can't love you. It's a Delaware corporation founded as a financial instrument intended to turn money into more money for a handful of people you don't know. And here's the other thing, nobody believes that message anymore. When I first knew I wanted to talk to you all about this, instead of just whispering in a corner with friends, I thought I had a really uphill battle to go. The uh, VC-funded package management company was beloved. And my work was one of the reasons why. I participated in this. I stood in front of you on stage, and I said that marketing message. What I meant by it was that I, CJ Silverio, feel affection for you, stranger. I, I kind of do. 
But, you know, and it was true. I did. I still do. But I don't think anyone can stand up in front of you now, after the PR events the last few months, and think that NPM loves you. It's burned a lot of goodwill in the last couple of months. By choice. Deliberately. They made the choice, they doubled down on it, and here we are. You're willing to listen to this now. So how did we get there? It's 2018, packages flow like water. You just, you don't care where they come from, you just turn on the faucet and NPM packages come out. They cost money even if you're not paying for them. NPM has been spending venture capital money to deliver you all those packages for free this whole time. Venture capitalists eventually want their money back. They want that 10x return on investment. VCs want you to go big or go home. That means they want you to burn your cash and succeed or fail. VC money is interested in returning the investment. There's nothing wrong with that in my view. You know, Some companies are shaped like VCs want to shape. I don't think... That's really the problem. The problem is that our language ecosystem is there. Remember that their obligations are the people who own NPM, not to us. Make money or raise money by telling a story about making money to raise money to money. It's all about the money. So in 2018, they hired a new CEO. It was pretty interesting. Things got it. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> the culture. The culture that they exported as their marketing message started to look a little threadbare right around them. Everyone, including me, learned that it was just a marketing message and not actual deeply held values. And NPM's PR troubles are known to all of you as a result. We're a community that enjoys drama, have some drama. But even if it had somebody who is a good actor at its head, there'd be, that person would have a big problem to solve. And here's the problem. Centralized registry is expensive. The part that you care about, the place where all the packages are stored, is an enormous strain on MPM's budget and simultaneously its value to investors. It controls all JavaScript development because every single you willingly proxies all of your JavaScript development through it. The data, the data gathered from your usage of it, the thing you heard a talk about earlier today, that's the value. Every time you run an audit, NPM looks at your package lock, chock full of interesting data nuggets about what you've been up to. <sighs> yeah, you know what they say about when you're not paying for the product, you might be the product? Yeah, it's there. <sighs> Thread is dangling over your head right now. I think. We're in a situation right now that is not going to last very long. NPM hasn't fully had its reckoning with its investors or with us. It's had layoffs, but we don't know what's going on inside. But the point is, the ground has shifted under our feet a little bit. Anyone who wasn't asking if NPM is stable is now asking that. We now know that it doesn't love us, and it doesn't love its employees either. This was not our only option. Story didn't have to go this way. People chose it, and here we are. What are we going to do about it? You, you sitting in this audience right now, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to do nothing? That's easy. We made our community decision in 2013, and we're stuck with it. 
We wait for NPM Inc. to fail, and when it does, not if, when, a nasty couple of months replacing the registry. I don't like this answer. Imagine NPM selling to somebody we don't like, corporate pirate, someone who takes over alien companies' adversarial and shakes them down for pocket change, someone who doesn't have an incentive to keep the registry up, someone who threatens to take the registry down just to see what we do about it. That's possible, quite frankly, because NPM's board of directors hasn't done a very good job. Maybe we'll be saved by Microsoft. <laughs> Microsoft, I, you know, I've been on the internet since like 1987. I remember when Microsoft was actively evil. I believe they might be again. Certainly Google is not a benevolent, purely benevolent actor right now, even though they're, you know, got fountains of money. I would like to avoid having to come here tens from, 10 years from now and make the same talk again. I think in the end, I agree with Ryan Dahl. JavaScript's package registry should not be privately controlled. I think centralization is a burden that will inevitably lead to product control because the servers cost money, and that's just a fact. But I think if we diffuse the load out under many people, we can share this burden. And who knows, maybe once it's out from under the burden of having to run to the private registry, NPM can like, be a normal company and try to make a profit for itself. Do you think that's impossible? Do you think NPM's entrenched? I'm not a big fan of hand-wringing, hand and I don't like the do-nothing answer. And the other confession I'll make is that I actually believe in open source despite everything. I think it's good for us as human beings to give things away to each other. And I think I'm at peace with the idea that some corporations are going to make money from my work. So Chris Dickinson, who's isn't it vacant on Twitter, follow him now. Chris Dickinson and I have an announcement. We would like to give something away to you all right now. Like to introduce you to Entropic, a federated package manager. Yes. 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 All right. It comes with its own CLI. Uh, it offers a new API for publication. You heard Kat talking about Tink earlier. This is a dream Chris Dickinson and I have had for several years now, and we offer that file-based API. It's federated. You depend on packages from other instances. You mirror your dependencies so you remain self-sufficient. Requirements list is short. We've dockerized it. You sign in with your GitHub account. Don't use it yet. <laughs> the project is only a month old, because Chris only escaped about a month ago, so that's when we started it. It's not ready for anybody to use, but it, people developing it. But we do want your help. I hear QR codes are really hip, so I got a QR code for you, R. It's on GitHub. It's open source right now. Tell me. You can get there. You can see it. Chris flipped the bit. <laughs> and we got a huge list of issues for you to contribute to right now. I want to go, like, I've used up a lot of your time. I'm just going to run down very quickly what my goals are, why I did this. I want to prove to you all that we all have power. We don't have to sit here and wait for fate to come to us. We can be optimistic. We can be proactive. We can do something. You have power. Second, 
Chris and I are among a handful of human beings who actually deeply understand the, the problems a language package registry has to solve. We've spent years thinking about this and wondering what we should do. And I think that expertise is needed by our community right now. And we want to share it. We choose to give it away. We'll be working with the OpenJS Foundation on this. We're giving you the gift of our expertise and our work. Third, I think it's right that this pendulum is swinging away from federation. I think moving away from centralized solutions is good. Last decade has been about consolidation, monolithic service, but I think the coming decade is going to be federated. It's going to be cheaper for us all. Yes. Yes, take it back. It's yours. It belongs to you. Let's make a different decision. Let's make a different decision, okay? We made this decision in 2013 and it made sense at the time. It's time to make a different one. Entropic is the kickstart Chris and I are giving to this problem. There's a lot more to say. There's a lot of work to do on it. I want to get to the point where I can tell you all to use it, maybe next year at this time. It's time to move with our feet again. You are good, amazing people, capable of building amazing things. Most of you are much smarter than I am. I want to hand this over to you. We shouldn't be owned by a single company. Our commons shouldn't be owned by a single company. And we can do it. This is love from two human beings who are beings capable of love. <laughs> from us to you. What happens next is up to you. Thank you. Thank you.